You're listening to the Slumber Party Podcast with your host, Amanda Jusen, a mum of two girls, a child and infant sleep expert, and general sleep lover. If you're a tired parent who is desperate for answers or just someone who loves sleep, this podcast was created just for you. Each episode is packed full of tips and tricks to help you maintain your sanity as well as your social life during the early stages of parenthood. So grab your headphones, it's time to get comfy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Slumber Party Podcast. It is Amanda Jusen, your infant and baby and child sleep consultant. Uh, Today, we are speaking with Meg, who is a former client of mine. Um, And I'm I'm so excited to talk with Meg today because uh, Meg was one of those (laughs) discovery calls where I was like, oh, I don't think I don't think she'll hire me. I don't think she wants to do it. Really? <laughs> like, I'm, I did. I did. There's a, and we're going to talk about this and uh, yeah, but I feel like you sometimes when people are really, really, really kind of freaking out about the crying and they ask a lot of questions about the crying and, and by the way, you should. And if you're on a discovery call, ask as many questions as you want, but sometimes it just means that they're not ready and, and that's okay. They might be ready one day. Um, but the crying part is, uh, it's the worst part. And I think that, um, it is really hard. It's kind of like childbirth. This is what I say all the time that sleep training is like childbirth. It, I mean, I shouldn't say this is, I found uh, childbirth so much worse than any sleep work I've ever done personally. But I mean, yeah. it's the same equivalency in that you don't know how you'll feel about it until you actually do it. So you're going to have people yes. who like talk about birth, like I just did this and the baby came out and the the birds came and they sang at me right after. And then you're going to have people with a very different story than that. And they will tell you while you're pregnant, by the way, they don't they're like, hey, good luck. It's coming out and it's going to be horrible. And you're like, okay. Oh, great. Thanks for the encouragement. And I think sleep training is so similar in that people will say it was so easy or it was the worst. And when it comes down to it, it really is about how you feel about it. So I think it's like, it's hard sometimes to get past that when you're already so freaked out about the crying and you don't really want to do it. And I get that. Like, I, I think that there's a lot of things I don't do and like I'm, I'm trying to like I do like I hate needles at all. So um, every time I have to go get a flu shot, I'm like, okay, okay, here we go. <laughs> We're gonna up, do it. it yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know maybe it's like that, but yeah. I, I guess the reason why I wanted to have Meg on is because uh, Meg represents so many of my clients who were like, oh shit, that wasn't that bad. I didn't think this was as horrible. Um, My child doesn't traumatize. And I feel like many of you need this episode from what I hear. You know, the the questions that are in my email box are, 
Hey, um, I've heard so many great things about you. Two questions, how much do you cost? And second question is, do you use Cry It Out? And I mean, I've talked about crying a lot on this podcast and on my Instagram, but it really depends on what you think. Cry It Out. So Meg, I would love to know what you thought cry it out meant. Like when you thought, all right, we're going to sleep train this baby. It's going to look like this. I didn't think there were going to be as many checks. I thought mm-hmm. I had a friend who sleep trained, which I think technically it's Ferber method mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where you literally put them in and that's it. You walk away, you get them in the morning. Actually, I hate, I, 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 I only know this because I've studied this. Ferber has such a bad rep. Uh, <laughs> Ferber is, I feel so bad for this guy. It, so Ferber actually created the methodology where you like give baby like uh, time interval check. So it's like five okay. minutes and 10 minutes and 15 that, but when people, it's not you. I remember my um, my boss when I was teaching, uh, this is like before I was a sleep consultant. I went back to work really early for Canadian standards here. So I went back to work and everyone was like, oh my God, how are you working? How are you working? And I was like, oh, my baby sleeps. sleeps. And I remember my boss being like, yeah, my baby sleeps too at a ferberizer. And it sounded like this horrible thing that you do to your child, like ferberize. And I was like, oh. And so ferber, like he's got the worst reputation, but it's actually – um, the, I think the only difference between some of the Ferber stuff and I is that I have um, similarly timed checks and that are based more on how baby is doing rather than like a time on the timer. But yeah, Ferber has, yeah. To, I feel, if uh, yeah, look up his stuff and then like feel bad for him. He needs a better uh, publicist. <laughs> well, and our <laughs> pediatrician. So that was the impetus. I don't know if I ever told you this, but we went in for our nine month, like, well, whatever check, nothing well, was wrong. Yeah. It was just well baby visit. And they kindly asked if she was sleeping in her bed and if she was sleeping through the night. And the answer to both of those were no, she was in our bed and she was waking up at least twice, if not upwards of five times a night. And yeah. they said consolidated sleep for her developmentally mm-hmm. is more important than getting food throughout the night. She's on a beautiful growth chart. She does not need sustenance in the evening to maintain it. But what she mm-hmm. does need from a developmental perspective is consolidated sleep. So you need to mm-hmm. get her in, a, in her own bed and she needs mm-hmm. to be sleeping through the night. She doesn't yeah. need to be waking up. So yeah. I, at that point, from a, a she's my first baby. She cries. She wakes me up crying. She's eating a significant amount at night. So I, I was so beholden to this idea that my doctor was telling me to starve my baby, mm-hmm. blah, 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 whatever. I have very crunchy friends and then friends who were like, <laughs> I started out in the crib in a different room from the beginning. So I had mm-hmm. this wide range of experiential data from friends and I just felt so lost. But then my doctor is telling me, you're doing something that's not good for her. So then I was like, well, shit, mm-hmm. I don't know how to well, fix I mean, it. There is, there is, um, uh, so a Canadian study, I think it was like two years ago from McGill, I think it is, uh, talked about how babies don't really need to be sleeping through the night for the first year, which I, I tend to, yeah, well, this is, this is 
yeah, like I think your baby are probably like I bet your child was fine because you were going in several times assisting, helping them back. They're probably getting more sleep than you think. And I hate pressuring people into um, okay, well, your baby has to. When lots of babies don't and developmentally they're fine, we do start to see some stuff as they get older in terms of the data of there start to be behavior issues, especially when we get to um, school age children who aren't sleeping and having consolidated sleep, we start to see uh, lots of behavior stuff, some of which mimics ADHD. So parents want to, you know, maybe look at their sleep first before checking out ADHD stuff. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of pediatricians. So on the other, like I, it's hard for me to, I'm not saying I disagree with your pediatrician, but I wonder, I have questions about pediatricians who make parents feel guilty and be like, They're, you're doing something wrong. I don't know that you're doing something wrong. Your baby's going to be okay and fine. You may want to start thinking about it. But then the, the other real part for me is I always say, like, I love your babies, but I don't do this for them. I do it for the family. <laughs> I do it for you. And it's like your point. In this McGill study, they actually, according to them, that parents did not uh, report increased postpartum anxiety or depression That's as a, a result of increased night wakings. And I was That's like, who are they talking to? I don't know who they're talking to. So, but you know, that science. So hopefully someone else has come up with something else and uh, whatever. It, that's the wonderful thing about science. It can always be challenged. Um, Okay, so you are in this spot where you're like, okay, now we have to do something. Um, we get on our call. I don't think you're actually going to hire me. You do. Yay. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. And then I would love for you to describe your experience. Like, was it as bad as you thought it was going to be? No is the short answer. Um, the longer answer is I, I don't know why I assumed this because in what I do, I have like a very defined process for how I work, but I was so comforted, I guess, by like, you have this intake thing. And part of our problem was daytime scheduling, which I had no idea connected to nighttime stuff. So mm -hmm. for me, the sleep training began during the day and we were already doing okay. We just needed to switch up when we were feeding her. So our mm -hmm. intro was gentle. Like the mm -hmm. first couple of days, we just switched our routine up and she did great. Mm -hmm. um, the she first, did so great. The whole <laughs> like, time. God. <laughs> <laughs> um, the whole time she did great. I will say the first night was emotional for me because mm -hmm. we had mm -hmm. never let her cry for an extended yeah. period of time ever yeah. in 10. Yeah. She was about 10 months when we started. So yeah. I cried the first night twice. Yeah. Um, so common. <laughs> I know, but it wasn't from like thinking I was hurting her or thinking I was like being a bad parent or anything like that. I think it was just, we talked about this on our intro call, which like really helped me. Like it is a biological and normal response to respond yes. when your child is in distress. That's not something yes. I was doing wrong or no. it was abnormal. So I think for me, it was more like this is normal. This is okay. It's just behavior I haven't 
we haven't done before. Um, and there is an attachment. I think like parents and, and, and moms especially don't really give themselves a break about if you are co-sleeping, there is something in it for you. It's yeah. not like you're, I mean, there are some parents that are like, great, get out of my bed, but it is my gut feeling. Like I co-slept with my first daughter for a little bit because it was the only way it could happen. I actively worked on getting her out of my bed as soon as humanly possible. If you are waiting until about 10 months, there's probably some emotional connection into why we're doing that. So to just be like, get over it. It's fine. Your baby's fine. (laughs) It's like not really honoring your part in that. And it would be really normal and uh, expected for you to feel a little bit of like sadness and separation as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it was very, um, you also, your spreadsheet that you shared where we're like tracking every single thing. I, I didn't feel like it was a passive experience. Mm-hmm. Like we were constantly talking and I'm very, I'm a creative, but I'm very type A. Like I love a list. Mm-hmm. I love, tell me what to do, how to do it, when to do it. And I'll happily just do that thing. So yeah. I didn't, I felt very empowered the whole time, even though it wasn't consistently going in and it was consistently going in every however mm-hmm. many minutes, but I yeah. was tracking, we were on WhatsApp. I was sending you audio clips. We were talking back and forth, gauging the level of the cry, yeah. hearing her calm down on her own. Yeah. So totally. it was a very like engaged process. And maybe I thought yeah. my perception of it was just that it was going to be kind of cold and disconnected that I like, mm-hmm. I was going to have to put her in there and then not engage in a way that felt like what I had been doing so far. And it was yeah. still very active. It just wasn't, it was creating space for her to learn this thing on her yeah. own. It, well, it's funny that you say that. I was um, I was on a podcast last week uh, with this amazing TikTok creator. Her <laughs> her TikTok name is the Mom Room. She's really funny. She makes amazing, funny mom TikToks. You should follow her. Um, mm-hmm. Her name is Renee in real life. But we were talking about she was talking about a crib to um, bed transition, and just like I, it, we just got on the topic of the idea that that we can't be normal parents and sleep train, meaning that like people will ask me all the time, like, can I touch them? Can I talk to them? Can I look at them in the eye? (laughs) And it's just like some things that have been perpetuated. It's like all we are doing is not helping that baby to sleep. We can say, it's okay. I love you. Here's a kiss and hug. I can pat your back. I can pick you up. I can give you a big old hug. And then you have to go right back down because I'm just the only thing I'm not doing. I'm parenting. I'm doing all these things. I'm just not helping you to sleep. But somehow it's been um, misconstrued and, and like so like polarized into these like you're either laying on top of your kid or you're giving them the finger from your bed like it's just like one or the other and it doesn't have to be like that like we can just be regular people like all of these articles I've talked about this so much on this podcast all of these articles that come out about nighttime parenting why I choose to nighttime parent nothing makes my blood boil more than that to assume that like your sleep training and like your child is like, help something's wrong. And you're just like, 
It's midnight. Sorry. <laughs> I'm off. Chance. And yeah. not a chance. Good luck. Like, it's so wild. Last night, my daughter came into my room at one o'clock in the morning to be like, the fan's on. It sounds like it's going to come off. And I don't know how to turn it off. I'm like, click. I didn't just say good luck. Yeah. I hope Figure it does it come off. <laughs> it's nighttime. I don't parent. <laughs> it's like so wild. It's so insulting. I will say too, I've learned since sleep training, she'll wake up every once in a while. She's a very noisy sleeper, which is mm -hmm. a good thing for me to know. So she'll make like a cry, a single like wah, straight up textbook wah noise sometimes. Mm -hmm. And she like wakes up and rolls over. And mm -hmm. I now, before I was like, if she's crying, every cry is a distress cry to me. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. now there's a lot of nuance of like, she got a stomach bug a couple weeks ago and wake up in the, mm -hmm. woke up in the middle of the night and threw up in her bed for Aww. the first time ever. It was awful. But the yeah. cry that she did wasn't, I'm rolling over, I'm resituating, yeah. I'm making noise at yeah. night. It was like, something is wrong. So yeah. I almost feel like the, it, she's gotten more complex in yeah. her ability to communicate and tell me what's going on because she yeah. has room to kind of explore all of the different things that can happen at night. And yeah. many of which don't need my attention, don't need me to come in there and say, you rolled over. It's okay. Like yeah. she can just roll over and figure out that's good. The other thing too is like, I think what people forget is that the crying stops. So this is not something that goes on and on and on and on. So it might be like a night or three max and then the crying stops. And then so if your child suddenly is crying out of nowhere for no reason, then you need to go to them. Yep. From there, you can assess what's happening and make your decision whether or not you want to give them more time before you go back in again. But generally, it's for a good reason after that. Yeah. And you have to remember, like I, I think even before sleep training, it's also a good reason if you're actively helping your child go back to sleep and they wake up and they're like, I don't know how to do this. That is a good reason. <laughs> so they're like, help, good luck, figure it out. But then when they do figure it out, they're like, I don't need to cry anymore. I got this. I know what yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, okay. So it, like you've, uh, I mean, you've done sleep training. You are a convert. Um, yes. You have another thing. Can I share this? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> like, you another have another thing. baby on the way. I was like, I just said we do. it's not the right There's word. a thing inside of me. Yeah, a baby. <laughs> do you know the gender yet? We did all of this stuff last oh. week to find out. So like any yeah. day we'll know. Yeah. That's exciting. I know. Um, I think it's a boy. That's You think it's a boy? I thought both yeah. of my girls were boys. I was convinced Okay. And, and like the last, um, so for my first, I remember being like, you know, people say that you're only telling me what you're not seeing. And, you know, I, I if you don't like, what if they, the baby comes out and it's a boy and all these people have bought these pink things. Like this is like before, okay. uh, first of all, my, my brain has totally changed. Gender is a construct. I don't care. I'd put my baby boy in pink okay. stuff I, and vice versa. Um, I feel very differently. Um, but this is like, you know, 10 years ago, Amanda. Um, anyway, so then <laughs> the technician just takes the ultrasound thing and she goes, see that? And I was like, yeah. She goes, labia. That's a labia. I was like, okay, well, I'm convinced it's a girl. <laughs> Thank you, well, you for the in-depth look at that. Yeah, we had it, it. It was. 
So, so yeah. tell me what some of your thoughts are with baby, with baby two here. Yeah. So the first I was 1000% sure I did not want a second kid. And I think so much of it is, was that I did not feel like myself for the first 10 months of mm-hmm. my daughter's name is B her mm-hmm. life. I have mm-hmm. anxiety and depression pre-pregnancy, pre-pandemic, <laughs> pre-parenthood <laughs> that I think was exacerbated by the lack of sleep. And also mm-hmm. B was born six weeks pre-quarantine. So her whole life has been in this weird mm-hmm. pandemic state mm-hmm. um, and we're in the States. So like lockdown for mm-hmm. the last year. So mm-hmm. I was sure I didn't want to do it again because I did not understand. I could not conceptualize how people took care of more than one baby at night. Yeah. I just didn't. Yeah. I couldn't figure out how that would work. Like would right. my husband and I never see each other sleep in the same bed again for the next five years? Would right. I never sleep if I was dealing <laughs> with one that was up at one, three, five and the other that was up at two, four, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. so my perspective shift perspective shifted when B started sleeping of being like, Oh, I'm sleeping. I like my appetite came back. I yeah. like colors looked bright again. <laughs> Food tasted good. Like part of me is exaggerating a little, but part of me is like, I was really in survival mode. Yeah. I didn't sleep yeah. for 10 months. Mm-hmm. So I remember one of your intake questions, like, what's like a good night and what's a word, like a bad night? And I copied times from our baby monitor and it was like seven wake ups was a bad night. Yeah. And if you're waking up seven times a night, you're not getting any deep sleep. So I just wasn't getting restful sleep for a long time. Um, Yeah. So your body truly thinks something is wrong at that point. Like there's a big threat. Let's shut it down. I don't want any babies. Why would it have babies? There's threats everywhere. We're up all night. (laughs) Yes. And I was breastfeeding (laughs) through it all. And I've had, which is a gift, but also something to deal with, Mm -hmm. a huge oversupply. So in between Mm -hmm. her, I'm like pumping throughout the night or throughout the day. And I just, my body was like running on nothing. So Mm -hmm. the idea to me that I could take care of another baby it yeah. didn't seem feasible to me. Like yeah. it just, I, logistically, I could not understand how that would work. So yeah. once B started sleeping and we started sleeping, I went to bed at like 8 p.m. for a month, yeah. straight up, just like slept 12 hour nights <laughs> for like a month. Um, I was having like crazy postpartum hair loss. And I swear I, part of this is pregnancy, but it happened before. Like my hair mm-hmm. stopped falling out. Like my oh. body was just like, Something good has happened. Yeah. Yeah. So that shifted everything. Like I said Mm -hmm. aloud to everyone that knew me, I said this to you on our like out call. You were like, maybe you'll have a second. And I was like, shut up. No, never. Um, (laughs) Because I I just said, hold on, hold on. I just want to make sure I'm positive (laughs) I didn't say that because every, I, I think I was like, Oh, well, I guess I, I hope to talk to you again. Yeah. And like, maybe, I was like, maybe be because I never want to pressure anyone, but I no, think no, it no, sort no. of came out. And then I'm like, oh, I regret that because some people were like, it was really hard to have this child. I don't know that we're having. Um, so I'm so conscious. I didn't that. feel that at all because I'm an only child. Okay. So I mm. feel no, str- like, I'm like, it's just mm-hmm. me and I am fantastic. So if we have an, yeah. only, an only, 
that's great. Um, yeah. but my husband always put, he was like, if we have one, I want to, I want it to have siblings. Mm-hmm. So, and then we had kind of a traumatic delivery and in the hospital, he was like, Hey, if you don't want to do that again, I understand. <laughs> and I was like, okay, great. Thanks. Um, it was a long 33 hours and then kind of a emergency section, lots of stuff. Oh but, um, yeah. all of that to say, sleep really opened my mind to the idea of having a second B sleeps through mm-hmm. the night every night until she threw up on herself everywhere, yeah. waterfall style. Yeah. Um, and that's the first time she's had a significant night wake up. And we did this in October. It's March. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think my biggest fears are, or not fears, just anxieties maybe is a better word. This baby was big at birth, nine, four. Mm-hmm. So, and didn't have any problems eating and her growth chart is like, like Mm -hmm. developmentally hits everything, does everything great. So what if this baby's tiny or what if there are things Mm -hmm. that make it like from day one, we could have, they told me like two weeks be gained. Mm -hmm. She was like over 10 pounds at her first Mm -hmm. checkout. Yeah. Like she was huge. She did not need, she didn't really need to be eating at night from the get go. Um, Yeah. So part of me is like, if we have another big baby, I will put it in a crib on the first (laughs) night home and not mess with this. So I don't want to like swing too far the other way, but I also feel really empowered to not like now sometimes we will wake up. She started, she used to wake up and cry to let us know she was up. And now she goes, Mama, mama, daddy, 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 until one of us comes and gets her, which is very cute. Um, That's so cute. But she just yells, and then we get a bottle and a waffle ready as her morning routine, and I just leave her in there for a second so that I can do what I need yeah. to do in the kitchen. Yeah. Whatever. Um. So I feel very empowered to know, like, it's fine. Like earlier, you were like, give yourself a break. It's okay to leave her in there for a second while you do your thing. Yeah. Get her out. Whatever. Um. So I, I just feel this weird tension of like, do I sleep train from day one and say like, you're good, you're fine, I'm going back yeah. to bed? Or yeah. do we do I fall into this trap of like, we aren't having any more, Ben is getting snippity snipped after yeah. this. So this is my <laughs> last baby. So do I fall yeah. into that trap of like, well, this is the last time a baby will wake me up at night. I don't think I will, but I just feel all this tension of like, I know the other do. side. I know it's possible. I know my child is capable of sleep. I know this next one will be too. But like now we're also operating on what if B has a bad night. Right. And so I don't know. I have a lot of – I don't know if that answered any question, but there's a lot of latent no. anxieties in there. No, I think that's really – I think it's really helpful. And uh, so I think that you don't have to do – you don't have to be hardcore and like, I mean, like I shouldn't say hardcore. You, if you don't want her to sleep in her own room right away, you don't have to. I, I room shared with both of my girls for a little bit. Yeah. They just were really loud sleepers and I couldn't sleep with them. I think, you know, number one, don't underestimate what you already know, which is like now you have some knowledge in the back of your head about sleep. Mm-hmm. Sleep is a behavior, which means it can be changed at any time. So you can essentially do what you want. You... A lot of people will just be like, I'm taking these newborn snuggles until four months and then we can worry about it then or longer if you want. Like you just don't have to make any decisions until you want to. And I think that like with 
both of my kids, I never knew like with, with Winnie, I, I didn't really think about, I did think about sleep. That's a lie. I read everything about <laughs> sleep, but I did it and it just worked. And so it was never a stress if that, yeah. if that makes sense. It's yeah. like, oh, I do this and you sleep and okay. And then it just got better. Um, I think that like, don't let your fear of what happened with V impact this experience. I really believe in doing what you want and following your gut. And that might mean like, I want to sleep train it four months or I'm enjoying this right now and I'm coping and we're co-sleeping and this is what I want to do until I don't want to do it anymore. Just like with B, like when you got to the point where you didn't want to do it, you made a change. That's really my advice for everyone. If it means like you don't want to sleep train ever, then and end your sleeping and everyone is doing well, honestly, like have at her. But if it does get to the point where your hair is falling out, you're stressed all the time, you feel exhausted. Um, I felt it a lot sooner. I remember with Winnie waking up being like, I cannot wait to feed you in the middle of the night. And then with Nora, I was like, again, you're waking again. Because <laughs> there are a lot of like, you can't really yeah. do any formalized sleep training until four months. You can do some newborn strategies. It takes about six to eight weeks before you're seeing any big changes, but they're very slow steady, non-cry anything. And they may work, they may not, depending on the development of your baby. So um, you're really kind of stuck anyway until four months. So what I would say is like, try some things, but don't kill yourself if they don't work because it's really hard to work with a newborn. And then you can make all the decisions that you want after four months, provided baby is eating well, growing on their curve. And just a side note, if you had a prodigious supply with your first. I had like, I had a very intense supply with my first. I had soccer balls on my chest and my midwife did not believe me. And I was like, feel this. And she was like, oh, we need to get you in a pump. It's like, yes. So it'll probably happen again. That happened with us. And then I this is like so much information for anyone listening, but here you go. New moms. <laughs> here it is. Here it is. Listen about the anatomy of my nipples. Um, they're small and kind of flat and B mm-hmm. has a slightly recessed jaw. Mm-hmm. And then with a coconut style boob, soccer ball, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. she couldn't, there was like no give. So to mm-hmm. her, she like didn't have the reach, whatever. So she was like, you need to pump to get your boob to like, tenable for her to be able to latch. And then every time she was latching after pumping, I like was bleeding, like straight up bleeding. So then she was like, if you want to keep breastfeeding, just pump. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I think I encouraged an oversupply with how much I was pumping. Yeah, I do too. So I think it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit. And I just stopped pumping last week, which is like a huge, that's massive. I know. And I was, I got down to like twice a day for a long time. So it was like not a huge commitment, but my body, I'm actually busy with this other thing. Um, and my supplies finally like dipped down, but I hope to have a better breastfeeding journey this time. And I think that might change it too. Cause waking up in the middle of the night to pump is depressing for me. Like waking up, getting out of bed, going to stand. Some people have to totally. (laughs) 
like, <laughs> yeah, like bleeding boobs alone while my husband's like yeah. all night. Oh so it's fine. Have you he, ever seen that meme? It's like this woman looking <laughs> at her husband being like, you and your useless nipples. <laughs> yeah. It kills me every time. Yeah. You're like, I, I drew that meme. It was me. I actually made that. No, um, <laughs> I, I do share the sentiment. But yeah, I, I love everything you just said about like, embracing it as it comes. I think like I said earlier, is like a type A. I like mm-hmm. want to plan for these, for this baby. Like how big is it going to mm-hmm. be? When is it going to arrive? What is it? Mm-hmm. I like called my OB obsessively today being like, do you have the results? And they're like, we will call you. And I was like, Stop calling. <laughs> well, I will say that, um, Kids will break that about you. I was yeah, like, I sure. don't know if I'm type A, but I always needed to have a plan. And I still kind of do. But now I'm more I'm, I'm more comfortable not knowing. There's nothing yeah. like having kids and living in a pandemic to really break you of what happens <laughs> next thoughts. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. And there's like so much beauty in just like letting it happen. So I, yeah. I definitely, B has taught me that a lot, which is, which is a really beautiful thing. But yeah, I do feel very empowered with the information I have from us working together. Like I, I still, sometimes if I need encouragement that B can like move mountains, I'll look back at our spreadsheet and be like, this is the first night she woke up however many times, whatever, whatever. And then she slept through the night on the second night. Yeah. She was like, I get That's it. Amazing. I learned. Yeah. And I think I shared with I like put this in my like Instagram story to share with friends, but I think there's, I felt that was, I think the first time I realized like my anxieties had held her back. Like Mm -hmm. something that was stressing me was dwarfing a skill that she had the ability to do. And Mm -hmm. it's really kind of shifted my thinking about how anxiety affects like how Mm -hmm. I parent because I don't mm-hmm. want to get in her way. And I felt like mm-hmm. I, wa- I was. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it was really empowering for me as a parent to be like, okay, let me yeah. zoom out just a little bit and assess if this is a me projecting thing or a yeah. her needing me thing. And in this, yeah. in some cases, for sure, your baby needs you. Absolutely. That's normal and healthy. Yes. But in this yeah. case, she was ready for, for a new skill and to learn a new skill. And, um, I don't know. It just really, I felt very brave. Like I felt like a very brave yeah. parent and it felt like she was very brave. Learning it's a rite of passage. Story. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, it really totally. shifted like my parenting mindset doing something yeah. like this to be like, she's so capable and me too, yeah. actually, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Heck yes. Yeah. Well, Meg, I could talk to you for 400 years, as I see to everyone. But as you know, I like to keep this episode to the time of a crap nap. And we are headed into (laughs) 33 minutes. And so if your baby is not up yet, you may be having a good nap and you no longer need this podcast. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But that I'm so glad that you came on. I'm really glad that you shared your story. Um, I think this is going to be a really popular episode um, because you're so honest and it really is indicative of a lot of the stories that I have. And so as always, I like to remind you, everyone. Um, if you do want to find out more, head over to babiesbestsleep.com, instagram.com slash babiesbestsleep. And you can always book a call with myself or a member of my team at babiesbestsleep.com. And you can be like Meg. 
With the sleeping baby. Yes. Multiple Thanks, Meg. Thank you so Have much. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.